And now, here's your host, Alessandra Torrezani. Well, Terry Cole, welcome to Emotional Support. I already established that you have one of the best backgrounds currently, so I can't wait to post a clip of this because it just feels like I'm in a therapist's office. <laughs> Things are going to be very relaxed and cool and calm and collected. And I'm just so excited to learn more about all these things that you specialize in, your podcast, your book. I'm, I'm so thrilled. So Terry, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thanks for having me, Alessandra. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm excited because I don't think maybe one time in the almost 200 episodes, have I ever spoken about boundaries? And I think that boundaries are one of the most important things that you can learn in therapy, in life. And I'm a mom of a one and a half year old and mm -hmm. I'm starting to, you know, encourage what a boundary is like teaching, you know, there are certain boundaries. We have to be cautious and wary of it, but you specialize and especially have the book, mm -hmm. The Boundary Boss. So I want to hear how did you get into specializing about boundaries? What are some tips and tricks that you can give us? My audience mm -hmm. is going to be very excited for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they, they always say, like you teach what you most need to learn. Right. You know, right. so I think that I was attracted to teaching this because of the amount of pain mm. having disordered boundaries in my young life caused me and my relationships and my self-esteem, like all of these things. I didn't realize that that's what was happening though. Right. So I really felt like it was someone else. Like if, th if that person wouldn't be that way, then everything would be okay. Like I, I really didn't understand that I felt like people were taking advantage of me, wow. that I didn't understand that I was really serving myself up on a platter. I was teaching people how to treat me because of my own overfunctioning ways, my yeah. own empath nature, my own codependency, my own sure. all the things. Sure. But I didn't know that. So the reason I became really passionate about teaching it is I had a whole other career before I became a psychotherapist. I was a talent agent negotiating contracts for supermodels and celebrities. Wow. What yeah, a world like that a is too. <laughs> what a not hot bed of mental health, right? Uh, yes. When you think about disordered boundaries, like that, you know, entertainment has is the top of the top for sure. disordered boundaries, I'd say. And and for boundaries being um blurred mm. because I was also young in my 20s. You know, I'm representing people my same age. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? Like right, right. so you're definitely socializing. There, there was so much that I learned. And then I got, it's like, you know, sometimes you age out of something. Right. I just mental healthed my way out. Like I yeah. became too mentally healthy to stay yes. in entertainment. I was like, I need to get out of here. Um, what I saw when I opened up my private practice, though, I became a therapist. So I, I left being a talent agent. And I opened up a private practice after going to NYU and getting my master's in my early 30s. Wow. And I started, of course, I had a lot of actors. Yeah. Right. As course, my, yes. you know, it made sense, right? People <laughs> I knew. And I started seeing the same thing like over and over again. And it was the same experience that I had. Mm. So it didn't matter who came into my office, whatever their presenting problem, we would call it, like it could be anything like family issues, addiction issues. I could still 
follow those dots backwards mm. to them having disordered boundaries as part of the problem right. that we needed to fix right. together. And when I saw this 10, 90, 1,000 times, I was like, wow, there needs to be a book. Like I started teaching it as a course in 2015. And I was like, there needs to be a book though. There needs to be something so that a woman in Dubuque right. who feels like she's screwed and she's like a single mom and she's a waitress and she has three kids, she's not screwed. Like mm. if you can afford to buy this book, this book will walk you through how to have better boundaries, which really means living a self-determined and liberated life. Mm. And then if someone couldn't afford the book, I got it in a million libraries because I wanted it, the, my, my real goal is to reach and help help as many people as I possibly yeah. can while I'm alive on this earth, you know? No, absolutely. So that, that was my motivation. Wow, I love that. You know, um, I'm an actress and I've been doing it since I was nine years old. I've been on TV and film and, you know, theater and on and off. And then, you know, taking breaks with baby and then back on. And, you know, it's interesting because I feel I've been very blessed in one sense where I was constantly working. So I never felt, um, I never felt that, that need for, oh my God, I need a job. Like, what am I going to do? Until I got probably in my little older stage of my life. But when I was younger, it was like, yeah. it it's all for fun, you know, and I can't imagine doing anything else. Mm. But it's true. It's it's you see so many similarities with so many actors and writers and directors, but really specifically, I would say actors and models and people that are in front of the camera, right? Because right. the amount of times that since I was nine years old, I have been told, "No, you're not going to get this because you're not funny enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not great enough." Yep. And you really build up a thick wall, and I—it's I, just—it's—it's it's wild to me how many friends I actually have who, like you, actually left the entertainment business and decided, you know what? A, it's not great for my mental health. I'm not—not mm. not even that I'm not cut out for it, but it's not what I choose to do for the rest of my path of life. Um, yeah. And I would like to help those out who choose to stay in the entertainment business. Yep. And I have so many friends now. I have one amazing friend who I can't wait to introduce you to afterwards, who she went to NYU, same story as you. And she um, is becoming a, a, a psychotherapist or a psychiatrist. I'm not sure what yeah. she is, so don't hold me to what she's doing. But but it's so exciting. And she wants to work in the entertainment field, you know, working for a big company to be the onset therapist or yeah. figure out how to negotiate and, and be the mediator. And I just think that that's so cool because what I say to her and what I would say to you is my trust would be in you so much more than a regular normal therapist, specifically yeah. because you understand how agonizing, how rule the industry can yep. truly be. So I think that's wonderful. I think what you're saying though is really a great point because I always say to my, you know, I, I ended up with this niche market to a degree, although I, of course I had clients who were not sure. famous, but I actually had a lot of clients who were highly visible. And this creates a very specific kind of um, self-consciousness. Yes. When you write, it just feels yes. like all eyes are on you at yes. all times. And so I sort of became 
an expert at helping. And so I would also be hired to go on sets. And if, if someone was working, I remember this particular thing, I was hired for this job where the set was a really dark set mm. and the person playing the lead was having really, was having a problem. Right. Like d making the distinction between not what was real and what's not, but there's no way that these, you're no. doing these horrible things as this horrible character. Yep. Like that, you know, that that's going to impact you. Oh, so it'll mess you up psychologically. I was, <laughs> I it yeah, does. it really does. Yeah. It does. So anyway, I was on set to sort of just bring the, it was more like reality testing or, mm. or centering this person into the here and now and being like, okay, now we need to, how are we going to separate you from right. this character? Sure. And we would talk about like the real you and the mask you. And listen, this, he was being paid a lot of money yes. for this very exquisite mask that he knows how to create. Yeah. But it's very important. I mean, for the fact that they even brought in a professional, it, I mean, said something positive about the production itself, sure. but it also spoke to how much this guy was really struggling, you know? Right, right. Do you find that that's um, as, I feel like as the, the entertainment world gets more popular and, and more accessible, I would say, not popular, I would say yeah. more accessible, do you find that more artists are having that mental break of like what's real and what's not just because of social media, because of the pressure from from the entertainment business? Like, do you think that that's, it's just becoming this big explosive thing now? I think, I don't know if I would describe it as explosive. I would say that there is no break. Mm -hmm. So the 24 hour news cycle decades ago, when that started, the CNN and all of this, this started the, the news media right. needing contact 24 hours a day. Yeah. So everything yeah. is a story. And then you have smartphones and you have this, this rise in um, infamy mm -hmm. as opposed to fame, mm -hmm. right? People who just become famous for being famous. Right. And then you have the way that reality TV has impacted all of this. Yeah. This is not how it was in the 50s, 60s, 70s, right? This this is something that got developed. Yeah. And so especially social media, which I think is negatively impacting not just people who are highly visible, because everyone. what I'm seeing in my practice, exactly, Exactly, everyone. Because what I'm seeing in my practice is that the self-consciousness mm. that used to come with only people who I was working with who are famous per se, I now see in regular people who are influencers, who are right, like yeah, it's it's not just relegated to quote unquote fame, the traditional sense of fame, because now anybody can become infamous. Anybody oh, yeah. can become an influencer. Anybody. Like you you can change your lot in life by deciding you're going to be an expert on whatever it is. I mean, think of all the things on YouTube, you know? Well, and think of all the people that follow and think that these people are experts without knowing any background story on them. I mean, I think that that's the most terrifying to me is so many people give financial advice. They give mental health advice. Um, and mm -hmm. they have no expertise. They maybe took a class over COVID and they're like, we're going to jump on this trend and we're going to, you know, make money. And, and it's really scary. And I think it's also scary now as a mom, I'm so, mm. you know, I, I'm someone that 
was very open since day one of, of me being an actress and on social media, like of what my life is and here's what it is. And I, and I like to show my daughter fun. Like we have a good time. We go to Disneyland. Like we do things. I want to show moms that you don't have to have a babysitter. I don't have a babysitter. Like I'm with her 24 mm-hmm. seven. This is our life. Have fun. But then there is a part of me that sometimes will be like, Oh my God, was that too much? Or, Oh my God. Um, you know, uh, you know, is someone going to stalk me because they know that I go to this place? You know, it, th- that yep. darkness comes on and I, I, I'm just very, very conscious and aware of how much I give and then how much I bring back and, and don't really show very special moments because you're also seeing now these kids that are now 18 years old that are suing their parents for, I'm not saying that my daughter's going to sue me in 18 years, but I'm just like, I've seen (laughs) this where they're suing their parents being like, you literally exposed my entire life on social media. You exposed, you know, that I was, you know, pooping my pants. You exposed that I wet the bed. You exposed all these really traumatic things that have now lived with me and are living in the internet. And that is what I'm known for. And that's, very scary. You know, that's very, very scary. So what is something that you would say to someone who was not in the entertainment business, who's listening to this podcast that maybe is, is just trying to figure out like as a parent, what are some boundaries that I can create for myself, maybe for my partner or, or for my child? Well, let's just get on the same page as to what, according to me, what boundaries are. Sure. So your your boundaries or your according to me or your yeah. preferences, mm-hmm. your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers. Mm. So these are the things that they don't just make up your boundaries. They right. also, when you think about them, they make up who you are. Yeah. Preferences, desires, limits, and deal breakers. And it's not enough to just know what they are, which a lot of people don't know what their preferences, desires, limits, and deal breakers are but we have to know what they are and then have the ability to communicate them when we so choose. Mm-hmm. And this becomes a major problem because you may know it, but you may not know how to express it or say it or mm-hmm. assert yourself or assert a boundary. So mm-hmm. at least we're on the same page of what it is. Yes. What people want to know though, and ask me all the time, is like, why don't I know? Mm-hmm. Like people feel bad for being bad at boundaries. Mm. And I always say, listen, we're we're bad at it because nobody taught us it. Yes, it. exactly. <laughs> this is it. Like I, I like to think about it like imagine boundaries mm. as a language. Mm. You wouldn't expect to be fluent in a language that you never learned simply because you really want to be. Right, right. You would go, oh, I need a book. I need a teacher. Yeah. I need something, right? right I need to right, learn. Right. But the good news in all of this, Alessandra, is that you can learn and that it is a learnable skill Mm. that will profoundly change the quality of people's lives. It has. I mean, I can't. I mean, look on, you know, look on, if you look on Amazon, the reviews for the book are all like, oh my God, my entire life changed. Right, right. Yeah, it it feels so, um, people just, you feel so liberated. Right. And what people don't understand about boundaries is that you can set them with love. Mm, You can set them with kindness. Like, I feel like there's all these myths that if you have good boundaries, you're being mean and bitchy and verbally punching people in the face all the time and rejecting and ah, not true at all. Mm. Because when you really think about it, 
if we say yes when we really want to say no right. in life, right? Mm-hmm. If we're a people pleaser, because this means you have disordered boundaries, yeah. is that loving, right? So many of my clients are like, oh, you know, I just wanted to be nice. I'm like, you know what? Saying yes when you really want to say no is not being nice. No, no. It's it's misleading yes. people. And so it's got it's got to be understanding that we have a right and that the people in our lives if we don't tell the truth about how we feel, about what we want, about what doesn't work for us, then the, we're in relationships with people who do not know us. They don't really know us. Yeah. You know? No, I I, to- I totally get that. And I think that there have been so many times where I've been in relationships, even friendships that I would say, where I, I can even just think of a recent one in which I'm not friends with this person anymore. And it was like no hard feelings and we actually just kind of went our separate ways, like without even saying anything. But it was, I I just, at some point it was just negativity over and over and over and bitching and gossip and all this stuff. And finally, I just was like, I, I remember I was pregnant and this person didn't know that I was pregnant yet. And I just thought, I don't want my baby nope. ingesting this in like hearing yeah. it. I, I was so sensitive and so calm and, and, so aware of my surroundings more than I think I had ever been before. I was just so in touch with my body. And I just remember this is an energy that I don't want absorbed with my baby right now. And so I'm going to stop this now. And I'm just going to, and I guess I should have maybe, maybe the, yeah, I should have said, you know, I'm sorry, I don't want to be friends anymore, but I just was like, you know what, if you don't reach out to me and I don't reach out to you, then that's it. You know, I'm sick of yeah, but always. But I feel like that's okay. I, I think that like, it was like, an okay situation and it is what it is, but, but yeah, I think that there were so many times where I would be like, yeah, sure. You know, let me just answer the phone. Cause I feel bad or, oh my gosh, you know, when it wasn't serving me, it wasn't serving them because yep. truly inside, I didn't want to be their friend anymore. I was like, this is so, I'm sorry, annoying. You know what I mean? And, and negative. Yep. And I didn't want to take on that negativity in my life anymore. Um, yep. So I think you, you know, people would be surprised that you have to create boundaries even in friendships, you know, or even light friendships, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we need them everywhere. But what what you described, I call these people energy vampires. Yes. And that I will I will teach my clients and I talk about it in the book. We create an energetic hit list, which is kind of what you did, yeah. which is we go, okay, this person is in my life, but they're really negative and they're really bringing me down and they're really gossiping and I'm not into it. And so I'm going to like bless and release. I'm going yeah. to wish them well in my heart, mm-hmm. but sort of see them drifting away from me. Yeah. in my life, like energetically. And that might sound out there to people, but I have to say no. this stuff is really powerful where I'm not saying we don't ever have to have conversations. Certainly we do, sure. but you'd be surprised at how many times you don't realize that you're keeping yeah. a friendship that you don't want going, going. Yes. Like you feel guilty. You pick up the phone and call someone because they have an expectation that you will. Yeah. And then you're like, but I really resent them and I resent feeling obligated, but that's on our side of the street, right? So that's where the boundaries come in emotionally, where you go, I'm not responsible for this person. I'm responsible for myself. I'm not even responsible for how they receive my boundary. Let's just say you did have a conversation and the person was mad or upset or can't believe you would, Yeah, (laughs) that that is not you. That that is them. 
Because the thing that we are responsible for is asserting our boundaries. That's what we are responsible for. Right. And so for people who are listening and they're like, I don't even know where I need boundaries. I don't, I'm confused. Cause I feel like this is, this is what people always feel when I start talking about this. They're like, Bleh. I want you to do right now. We can do it right now in sure. real time. We're going to do a quick resentment inventory. Oh my gosh. I love this. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. So just think if you're listening to this, just think who are you holding resentment for right now? Hmm. I have like three people on the top of my list. <laughs> I was just going to say, it's it almost always <laughs> the same three people Yeah, <laughs> that you're like, oh, the same boundary bullies or repeat offenders, as I like to say. So what happens is now that you have a name, let's just say even just one person came to you, then you go, all right, what what is causing my resentment? What is the situation? Oh, they expect me to do this or they borrowed money, didn't pay it back or whatever. And then the next thing is we go, okay, what needs to happen hmm. to change what is going on? So then the last thing you do is you go, all right, what needs to happen? Because so much of the time, the same way that I told you at the top of this interview, that I was looking at other people and being like, well, if my boss just wasn't such a jerk or if my right. boyfriend would just do this and pick up the slack, right. everything would be fine. Not realizing that I had responsibility. Mm. So when we get to the third part of the resentment in inventory exercise, you have to look and go, okay, what can I do mm -hmm. to change this? What am I not doing that is perpetuating this, that is allowing this to go forward? So let's just say somebody borrowed money from you, which can I just say, please don't lend anybody money. No, okay. it's never That's a just good my idea. <laughs> It's just always going to be a shit show. Yeah. That's just the end of the story. I'm yeah. sorry. This is just yeah. happening. If you can afford to give it to someone, that's what I do. Yeah. If someone needs money and I can afford to give it to them sure. with a loving heart, I do Knowing it. you most likely won't get that money back. That's what you have to always, if exactly. you are going to do that, that's how you have to think. That's has to be the mindset, I would say. Oh, I, I actually just say it because I don't want that energetic connection. Yeah. I say, this is a gift. So either you right. receive this as a gift or no. Because I don't want that energetic connection of someone yeah. owing me money because it really negatively impacts the relationship. Yes. But what people can say, if we're going to take a little side note, sure. what you can say if someone asks you is you can say, oh, I actually just don't lend money. It's not personal. It's just a policy. This is just how I, this is how I protect my relationships. Yeah. I think that's beautiful and it's simple and to the point. Exactly. Yeah. That's the little boundary script for you yeah. around money. Anyway, <clears throat> when you get to the third part of the resentment inventory, you may see that there are things that you can do. So if the friend borrowed money, hasn't mentioned it, but now they're going to like, you know, Cabo and you're like, oh, I'm glad you have money for your vacation, but right. hello, where's the two grand you owe me? Right. Then there's a moment, it has nothing to do with their vacation. Mm. The only thing it has to do with is that they borrowed money from you that they did not pay back. Mm. And your job is to say, hey, I, you know, let's talk about when can I expect you to pay me back the money, mm. right? And we feel so mad. Like if somebody borrows money and then they never bring it up again, like it puts the person who lent it, this is why I say never lend money, <sighs> but it puts you like in this weird position where you're like, well, am I saying anything? Am I not? Like, do I feel yeah. like, do I feel like, why am right. I a jerk right. when they're the person who didn't do what they were supposed right. to do? Why do I feel this? Uh, yeah. Yes. And so whatever your resentment is, you guys who are listening, get clear. It doesn't mean you have to do anything about this today, right? The first step is always self-awareness, right? I have five 
I have five pillars that I teach of transformation. And the first step is always self-awareness because clearly we can't change anything we're unaware of. So if we have, if you had the wrong narrative, like I did, where you go, well, my sister's just mean, or this person's just this. So much of the time we're letting ourselves off the hook Mm. so that we don't have to have the hard conversation. But you, my point is you can have a hard conversation and the more you do it, the easier it gets and the less hard it is. So I think that a great place to start for people who it's kind of new is let's just stop the auto yes. Mm, Okay. I love that. All right. So we're just going to stop. And so how do we do that? Well, for people who are sort of habitually saying yes, you're kind of a people pleaser or a yes person, or you don't like to push back, we're just going to buy time in the beginning. So for the next, let's just say the next seven days, Mm -hmm. no matter who asks what of you, you will not give an immediate yes. I mean, unless it's like they want to give you $5 million in cash, you can certainly say yes. But I was like, wow. (laughs) You're like, what if it's really good? Okay. You can say yes to that. (laughs) But let's just say for seven days, you will not give an insta yes. You will buy time. What does that look like? That looks like saying, oh my God, Alessandra, thank you so much for thinking of me. I have to check with my partner to see if we're available. I'll let you know tomorrow. Right. Right. We can always start when we're buying time or setting boundaries. We can also always start with with sweetness, with kindness, especially yes. if it's true, especially if it's someone you like. You know, you can always say, oh, that's so nice of you to think of me. And then go on to say, and then maybe someone's asking you to help them with work and you don't know if you have the bandwidth to do it. You can say, I see that you need help from what you said. I will actually need to check what I have on my plate and check with my assistant to see if I have the bandwidth to help you. So I will let you know by Thursday, right? We set the rules as to when we're going to tell them and as to whether we're going to do it or not. Now, why it's good to buy time is what happens is that it is so much easier to go back to Bob and say, you don't have the bandwidth if you haven't already given a reactive yes. Right, right. Right. Because what happens is we can't always do the things that we reactively agree to. And we find a way, trust me, you like get a migraine on that Saturday morning when you don't want to go to that baby shower or bridal shower or whatever the hell it is. And then people are like, fine, don't come, you know, (laughs) but it doesn't make us feel good because we're not living like an authentic authentic life. Yes, exactly. Yep. And we don't have to be harsh either. No. Right. We can be kind and not do a ton of crap we don't want to do because when we do a ton of crap that we don't want to do, we end up really resentful. And we take that out on the people we're in relationships with. So trust me, in the end of the end, having healthy boundaries, learning effective communication, having a couple of these, um, even if it's just the sentence starters, Mm. right? If you you need to tell someone something that you think they're not going to like or you're nervous to say, you can always start it with, I'd like to make a simple request, mm. right? Or you could start it with, I wanted to put this on your radar. Mm. When we were in the meeting on Wednesday and you were texting during my presentation, I found that really distracting. So I would like to make a simple request that you not do that. Please. Right, right. 
And it's, it's to the point, but it's not harsh and it's not mean. And I'm not saying anything about the person. I'm not like, you're an insensitive jerk. No. Right? We're not doing that. No. Even though maybe they are. Feel. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> right. You may feel that way. But to effectively draw boundaries, what we're really doing is protecting our feelings, our relationships, our sovereignty, mm. our self-respect. That's what boundaries do for you is it gives you the power to respect all of those things because it is our job yeah, to protect ourselves, you know? It, it is completely our job to protect ourselves. I think it's so important. I always believe in, I'm a very reactive person and I'm, I'm very feisty. Maybe it's the Italian, maybe it's the bipolar disorder. I don't know. It's one of the two that I live with, okay? <laughs> one of the two in here. But I am very feisty and reactive. And I've realized that I get a better reaction out of others when I pause, I take a deep breath, and I really go, okay, what is the choice that I'm going to make? And I find that a lot of people that have been writing me, uh, writing into the podcast, when they talk about boundaries, for them, it's with family. Um, sometimes it's with relationships, but I find most of them have all, oh, most of them, yes, have been about, you know, family, uh, parents, siblings, in-laws, um, you know, how do you set that boundary? Because it's a little different than just a friend or a coworker or a stranger, right? Like for me, my family's my world. I would do anything for them. So if they told me to jump in the fire, I'd be like, okay, let me go, you know? Um, but, yeah. but I have to be also aware and, and I feel like I just, I, I'm more aware of it now having in-laws and like a different family um, that's not mine since I was baby, you know, um, yep. that while you don't want to offend at some point, you have to set boundaries in life. And I think that's one of the hardest ones. So what is something that you would recommend to someone who's maybe dealing with a parent or an in-law or a husband or, you know, someone where you couldn't be, it's touchier. Yeah. I wouldn't say well, a husband because if it's a husband or a wife, you would be quite honest, no. like open. It's the ones where yeah. it's like too far away, but they're there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we'll, we'll make a separation between okay. in-laws and, and your family of origin. Yeah. Because when you think about it, think about boundaries, setting boundaries, having conversations about boundaries, being honest about boundaries. This is like a dance. Mm, and yeah. so when we think about our family of origin, they're like the original dance troupe, yes. right? These are the mother effers you've been dancing with yes. the longest yes. in life. Yes. So they're the people who sometimes know us the most, but they're also the people who can provoke us the most, right? Because, you know, if you go home, let's say, if you don't live near your family, if you go home to visit for Christmas or whatever, you could find yourself like reverting back to like teenage behavior or right. fighting with your sister in a way that you never normally would in real life. You're like, what the hell yeah. is going on yeah. here? Because there's almost like this, we, we revert right back to an earlier place. So it's being very mindful that your family of origin also is probably the most invested in you mm. not changing. Right, right. That's right? interesting. Because yeah. they feel threatened potentially. Right. They love you. <laughs> they want you to love them. Right. And so it's like they're worried that if you change unconsciously, 
right? And this is part of the human condition, but there could be a fear that if you change too much, then you won't love them anymore, right? right. There, there's a fear of loss when people start evolving and sort of doing something different. We're not doing mm. the same thing that the family system did that we grew up in. Mm -hmm. So going in, knowing that, look at what people who did the resentment inventory before that we were talking about, right. how many of those people probably have someone from their family of origin right. on that list, right. probably a mother or a father or, you know, maternal or paternal impactors, as I call them, because it could be a, an auntie who raised you or a sure. foster mom or whomever, but it's the same thing, right? right, right. We have the same sort of relationship. And I think before we even get into setting boundaries, we have to get really clear that we have a right mm. to set boundaries mm -hmm. and that setting boundaries is actually very loving as opposed to being mean. Mm. And I think that for a lot of people, you have to look at your assumptions and the myths around boundaries that you may believe because some family systems, it was like a very enmeshed family system, which would mean we all think alike. This is how we do it. Yeah. Right. It's nobody had a lot of psychological privacy. Right. Everyone knows what the hell is going on in everyone else's life. There's a lot of gossiping and there's a lot of controlling and everyone in the world is giving you their frigging opinion on what you should be doing. That can be a really hard family system to set boundaries in because yeah. people get so threatened. Mm. They just freak out. You and know? so sensitive. And yet, yeah. Oh, yeah. And yet you can do it. You know, yeah. it's possible to do it. Yeah. It's more about doing it lovingly mm. and looking at what are the what are the problems you've had in the past in your family system where you feel like someone was stepping over their boundary your boundary yeah. an expectation to that you know I had, I had a client whose um husband's mother was one of those moms who still wants the entire family to revolve around she and her husband her house the whole thing like no respect for a new family people yeah. get married yeah like when i have three grown sons i was like okay so now your wife is your first family and me and dad and your brothers are your we're your family of origin now right, like right. you make decisions that are best for your family mm -hmm. whoever had the youngest kid for the holidays we would go there like th there was no it, it, we we had our time in the sun as the center right, right in a way and it's time for someone else anyway with this client the mother, her mother-in-law insisted that they all come home and stay in the family house for Christmas. Oh. So that my client had three kids and was like, I'm telling you right now, Tara, I'm not doing yeah. it this Christmas. Like yeah. I'm not, I want to be in my own friggin' house. What, what the only place Santa goes is to my mother-in-law's house. Right. Like, no, right. I do not right. want this. Right. And you know, it was a big blow up. And yet she did it. And you know what? Two years later, it was the new normal. Right. Everyone got together at the mother-in-law's the week after Christmas. They all were able to have it in their own house because my client was brave enough to say something. To say something. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I think you know? that's so amazing. And and I think it does help, you know, when I, I find myself braver in every situation in life, I think now that I'm a mom, because for me, I don't really, I don't give a shit what anyone else thinks because for me, it's like my baby comes first and you can either accommodate yourself for my child or that's it. 
or you're not you're not a part of my kid's life or we're not going to meet up yeah. or we're not going to hang out. That's how I treat my friendships now with, you know, that's how I treat family. That's how I treat everything. Um, and it took my baby to finally, you know, yep. say that where I'm like, otherwise I'd say yes to every event or say yes to every, you know, birthday invite or dinner invite, yep. even if I didn't want to go, you know, and I'd hope yep. that they'd cancel, you know, um, <laughs> right. but, and that always happens, but it's so true. And I think that you have to just, you have to own it and you have to be strong and you have to create those boundaries and, you know, beautiful things come from that. And I think that that's what people need to remember. It's not all this like, oh my God, if you say, for instance, like your client, we're going to have Christmas at our house, it's not going to be the end of the family union, unit. And right. if it is the end of the family unit, guess what? You were never the problem, okay? You just yeah. you just made everyone else aware of the problem, you know? Um, exactly. And so I but think But I think that you're not great. alone though, you know, no. Alessandra, I, I think you're not alone in that having a child. Right creates this courage, this, yeah. this non-negotiable, speaking of non-negotiables, right? Yeah. Where you're like, I literally don't care. Yeah. Yes. This, this human is the most important thing to me. Yeah. And this, this child getting what they need and getting the best of me right. and me not being exhausted because I'm people pleasing all over town. Right. There's something really powerful in that. And this, now you have the choice to stop the cycle, mm -hmm. to teach your daughter healthy boundaries. And how do we yes. do that? Let's talk a little bit about, because we, we had started at the sure. top talking about kids and boundaries. Sure. I think one of the most beneficial things that parents can do for kids in the way of boundaries has to do with emotional boundaries, Absolutely. where teaching your child how to manage their own feelings, mm. you not trying to manipulate and control the crap out of their feelings. Mm. You acknowledging, wow, you're having big feelings right now about that. Yeah, that's hard. That seems like it's sad. Yeah. Instead of so much of the time with the parents were like, well, you should be grateful or, you know, it's, it's not that big. You're just having a bad day. Like, come on, get over it or whatever. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps or now, oh, Johnny broke up with you instead of being sorry, right? Being like, well, now you'll have, now you won't be in your room texting all day and you'll have more time to be with the family. Like, rather than just being like, that sucks, I'm sorry. It's allowing kids to have their feelings, but also then teaching them how to it's like emotional self-control, like self-regulation. Mm. When you as a parent can regulate your own emotions so the child being upset doesn't freak you out or make you lose it, right? Mm. It makes you go, oh, this is a time for me to be calm because they are upset. Yeah. So the more calm I'm, I am, right, the more I can just go, oh, yeah, let me, I, I feel for you, right? We feel for our kids yes. rather than endlessly trying to control and manipulate them. Like don't make your kids like kiss and hug people that they don't want to. Uh, yes, 100%. Don't force kids to do that stuff, you know? Yeah. Like they're little humans. Mm -hmm. And I think that the the emotional stuff is probably the, the most important. And it takes a lot mm. as a parent to not be triggered by a kid's upset emotions, especially if you've been a people pleaser in your life or if you're an empath or if you're codependent, right? right? That a kid's upsetness or anger, mm. right? Really can be provoking. So it's something that we can do our own work mm. 
and then show that child because what they're looking to us and if we can go hey let's just take a deep breath right. together here hold my hand let's just take a deep breath rather than shaming them or making them wrong it goes a really long way for them to be able to self-soothe as they get older mm -hmm. no i i completely agree it's so funny i i I talk about this all the time on the podcast, but I'm, I want to share with you because we've been doing this music class at my house every week since my daughter, I think, was seven weeks old or eight weeks old. And um, it's so cute because at the end, the teacher does a sound bath. Um, and mm -hmm. she, you know, call, and the babies will, like, I've seen them since they were little on, and they just now gravitate towards her, and they sit there like this, like puppy dogs, like watching her as she hits, you know, the 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 little instrument and it's just this soothingness. And it's interesting because the teacher says, you know, I'm doing this for the babies, but it's really for the parents. Take 14 <laughs> seconds to just breathe and like re-figure everything out. And she's been yep. teaching, you know, the kids, okay, deep breaths, like I'm gonna take a deep breath. So my daughter will just be walking and out of nowhere, she'll go, <gasps> <sighs> like that out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like she really needed that breath. But you know, and, and she doesn't even think it's like funny or something. It's not even right. out of, it's, she truly needed that breath. And I'm such a firm believer in feeling your feels. And, and I felt the most connected to her. I, I still am breastfeeding and she's eating real food too, but I always have to say that because people are like, what? You know? Um, but I felt most connected to her when I was first pregnant because when I, I mean, when I first delivered her, because when she was screaming, you know, I remember people saying, oh, your, your breasts are going to hurt so much. Your boobs are going to hurt when they cry. And I'm like, that's crazy. That's the weirdest thing that I've ever heard. That's just a myth. <laughs> and it was so true. It was like when she cried, it was the most painful, agonizing. I was crying. And I thought, wow, like that is how connected we are yeah. to our children. That is what, what it just, it blew my mind, you know, and it was just a reminder that I live with every single day of how affected she is by her emotions and she, and how it can cause me so much pain. But when I'm calm and when I'm relaxed, it makes yeah. her be calm and relaxed. If she falls yeah. and hurts herself and she's screaming and crying, I go, oh my gosh, I know that hurts so much. Like, let's, let's cry it out, you know, but I'm here and everything's going to be fine afterwards. Like, let's just get it out. Yeah. And it, it's wild because when I, but when I'm freaking out, she freaks out even yep. more and of they course. really just pick up on every little thing that you do. And so that's they just, my, that's my, my, my two cents of, of what I learned of it's true. You know what I mean? You really have to, you have to keep calm around your children. So they feel like it's going to be okay, you know, and, and we work and through it. You teach them, right? You also are teaching them. It's like, you know, we always hear this with parenting, like you can't say to kids, like, do what I say, but not what I do. Right. Because what happens is children are just sponges and they see you. So yeah. when you, you know, it's funny, I, I had this vision when you said she took a deep breath yeah. and was like, ah, it's like she's literally resetting her nervous system. 100%. She's like, oh, oh, that's better. Yeah. But how amazing to be such, so little and yeah. to already have the self-awareness yes. 
of what you need. I think I was maybe 30. She was 13 I months old. Any I was self-aware. like, wow, this is wild. <laughs> She's walking around and, and oh my gosh, okay, you know. Um, but it's but it's true. It's 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 regulating the nervous system. It's resetting and it's it's a wonderful, wonderful thing that I recommend to everyone from 13 months to, you know, 13 years to 30 years to 60 yep. years and go on 95, you know, I recommend it yes. for, for, for everyone. Well, Terry, this has been just so unbelievably helpful and wonderful and I can't wait. I also saw on your website, which was really great, which I recommend everyone doing as well. You have a boundary quiz on there to kind of learn what to do. I, I thought that that was so unique and special and and fantastic. And then you have your podcast. Do you want to talk just a little bit about your podcast? Sure. Well, to get the to get your um, boundary archetype, go to boundary quiz.com. Okay. Super easy. Um, I also have a workbook that's coming out, the Boundary Boss workbook. I love that. The podcast, I've actually had a pod since 2015. I saw that. So, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like an OG podcast. Dude, who knew? <laughs> who knew? I, I did not know. I swear. <laughs> I don't even know what inspired me to do it, but I do a lot of mental health stuff. I do a lot of communication and love. and But then I also interview People, so I put out two um, episodes a week. Oh, I put fantastic. out one that's just content, and then on Thursdays I release interviews. A lot of a lot of my friends have books, and a lot of it is psychological stuff. But I think that people would really like it, and entertainment too, like Leanne Rhymes and those types of people as well will come on the pod. Fantastic! Oh, I mean, look, my podcast is a mix of specialists such as yourself, you know, and and doctors, and then I have you know celebrity friends that I've grown up with that owe me favors in life uh, because maybe I went to a birthday party that I didn't want to go to, um, and they come on and they share about mental health, and and really, it's truly just about you know in a in a narcissistic way it's a it's just a way for me to kind of you know record and keep track of everything that that's going on with my mental health and my journey and trying to learn how to regulate my bipolar one disorder and how to deal with that through pregnancy and postpartum and this next mom chapter of my life um right and still trying to figure out who I am, you know, and refiguring that out. So I think yeah. that's so fantastic. Well, Terry, I'm going to ask you my final question. I ask everyone, sure. um, what is your emotional support? Oh, I have to say, honestly, I think it's my husband. Oh, I love that. I have a great, great marriage. I, we've been married. Actually, my anniversary is today. Oh my gosh, congratulations. <laughs> we've been married 24 years today. Wow. Um, been together 26 and he's just, you know, like in a hard world, yeah. he's just a soft place for me to land always. I love that. Oh, I absolutely love that. I think it's so important in any form that you find a partner in um, and a place that feels like home at the end of the day. I think that yes. that's when you know you've truly, um, you feel safe and you feel like yourself and you're, you want to be your true authentic self. So I absolutely love that. And you have three beautiful boys too, which is so fun. That's so exciting. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Thank you so much, Terry.